This is the one with a lot of finger blasting. A discount bagel. A dance at the palais. And doctor on doctor action. It's called the Android Invasion. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalent Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be? Then? Who back when? Who Back When? What ho, podcast land, and welcome to episode C083 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. That's right. That lovely voice belongs to co-host Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello. Who are you? I am Leon. Thank you so much for asking. That's really nice of you. <laughs> and how are you? <laughs> I'm great, thanks, and rad. Good. <laughs> I trust you are too. <laughs> we are going to be chatting about the Android Invasion today, which I don't know about you, this is an episode or a serial that I have been waiting for for ages. Like yes. ages. You, ages. Ages. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yes, you may have hinted that your nostalgia may influence your rating on this. Oh, I think most definitely. I apologize in advance if I'm over don't, positive. Don't apologize. I enjoyed this. Yeah? Yeah, even without nostalgia. Did I big it up too much for you? No, I, I don't think so. Like... I was expecting it to be something that you watched as a kid and enjoyed, and I think okay. if I had watched this as a kid, I would enjoy it. As, oh, good. And I watched it as an adult, and I enjoyed it. Oh, I'm super glad to hear that. So, why don't we stop dillying dallying and give everyone a little summary of what the hell this was all about? Marvellous suggestion, old bean. Let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize, so take a view, and grab a brew, and listen to this overview, this free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. The fourth Doctor and companion, Sarah Jane Smith, arrive in what purports to be rural Devesham, a picturesque hamlet in Oxfordshire with space defence station adjacent, whose inhabitants have seemingly nearly all vanished without a trace. Sarah Jane recognises the place as she once visited the space defence station to inquire about the lost astronaut Crayford. What few people remain in the town, it transpires, are android facsimiles, including Benton and Harry Sullivan, who appear to be on site. And our intrepid duo doesn't know quite whom to trust. And eventually they discover that two curmudgeon alien chaps are preparing an invasion of Earth and have created a replica of Desham as their training ground. Enter stage right, molecular astronaut and narrative coincidence Crayford, who may be in cahoots with the aliens and is certainly not to be trusted. Hilarity ensues. Biscal over, you are welcome. Aren't you just... Well, I mean, when we read out that summary, it does sound a little zanier than I remember it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's kind of par for the course for Doctor Who, isn't it? (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, I guess you're right. So where would you like to start? I do have a starting question if if you're willing to answer. Yes, please. (laughs) Did you realise that none of this was taking place on Earth before they revealed? No, and I had forgotten about that that element of the story. And I think it's super clever. Yeah, I think... It made me feel dumb. <laughs> because there are actually hints. This is the kind of reveal I like. That right from the start, the Doctor's saying, 
you can smell that it's just rained, but the ground isn't yeah, wet. And there's uh, radiation that he, he couldn't explain or something like that. And something about there not being acorns on other planets, or I can't remember. Like, oh, this must be Earth because there are no acorns. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, anyway, they're, they're setting yeah. this up as there's something slightly off about it and suspicious. But I think it's great. I don't know if you should feel dumb. I don't feel dumb and I didn't figure this out. There are also hints about, oh, well, there's this space defense station right next to it. Possibly something leaked out of it and that's what's creating this radiation. Yeah. No, it's, it's a nice little setup, I it think. It is, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a nice nice little twist. And yeah. It's kind of a reverse Planet of the Apes, isn't it? Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. It's not Earth all along. It's, <laughs> it's not Earth at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's a simple twist you know you don't have to think too hard about it you don't have to reach to kind of go oh yeah i suppose that works it's just like no yeah okay they've they've recreated the earth because they were training yeah that seems like a legitimate thing to do it's an odd part of the earth to recreate though don't you think it is slightly and i have other questions okay (laughs) surrounding the intentions and and the setup of it but i think just that that little bottling of yeah they've they've recreated a part of the earth because that's the part they want to invade to start off with. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that's the only way I can explain why they've got this. I don't really know why they had to go to the length of getting the villagers. Yeah, exactly. It's unit that they want. Yeah, precisely. So why do they have a, a pub landlord and and people just visiting the pub? Like, there's a milkmaid who shows up <laughs> at one point, I think. And these people, or these robots, these androids, have been programmed to act like humans. Yeah even to the point where they're having conversation in the pub. But does that mean that they're expecting people to enter the pub and, like, sit down next to them? It it seems so. This this is by far my biggest problem with this serial. (laughs) And I did enjoy the hell out of it. Good. Particularly the start. The first episode I thought was wonderful, setting up those those androids. The scene where they're all stood in the pub. They've been loaded off the cart like sheep. (laughs) They're um, herded into the pub. They all take their spots. And then the clock strikes whatever hour it was, mid- midday maybe, I don't know. And then they start like a bustling Interacting, yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. And then you have to just kind of ask yourself, why? As the plot develops, the intention of the kraal, which are behind everything, yeah. is to wipe out the entire human race with a virus. So why do they have this really elaborate scheme to confuse the human race with androids? Is it perhaps that Devesham is a hub of tourist activity (laughs) and by infiltrating Devesham in particular this one pub because everyone they unload every single android they unload off the back of the lorry every single one of them goes into the pub yeah they go straight to the boozer (laughs) so possibly the the real Devesham boozer the Fleur Fleur de Lis or whatever it was called Fleur de Lis yeah uh, is it's just a massive Kodak moment in the Cotswolds or somewhere in Oxford. You're not anyone until you've been in the Fleur de Lis exactly. and Deesham. And they figure, we'll poison the beer. <laughs> and slowly but surely, that just spreads across the entire globe. People from Tokyo will go to Deepsham. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so convinced. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't really get that either. Like, if you wanted that as well, would you not be better going to, say, the Thames, main Thames water filtering plant or something? Yeah. Wait, that makes way that makes way more sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's another question. What about the white suited androids? So we have the, the like the astronaut suit androids that have yeah. their finger blasting, which you you alluded to getting confused with Autons. They yeah, like, they're straight up Autons. They're straight copies. up Autons. Like I I don't know enough about the Autons to know what makes them Autons. Yeah. I look at this and say, well, they're basically Autons. They 
they are behaving exactly as I've seen Autons behave. Yeah, in I mean, New Who. This was written by Terry Nation, who is a legend. Yeah. Right? And Terry Nation, he invented the Daleks and he wrote some absolutely fantastic serials. But then as as you progress through the Terry Nation serials, you notice that he's kind of recycling his own work. Yeah. Uh, and possibly this is a case of him recycling someone else's work. Because the Autons, I mean, the, the real Autons, they look like humans. They are robots, effectively, that look like humans and that shoot something out of their hand. And here he's taken those characteristics and split them up into two separate beings. Yeah. One that is just a robot that shoots shit out of his hand and the other one that just blends in. But wouldn't it make more sense to have the people in the pub shoot shit out of their hands? And why would you create these white-suited robots? Like, whom are they trying to fool? They look like humans, but without the face. <laughs> yeah. If they're going to fool anyone, wouldn't it be better to make them look like Kroll? Or if you're going to do anything, like, would you? why do you need these other robots? Are they in charge of the regular androids? Like, what is up with that? They, they seem to be a more, I guess, soldiery force. They're not programmed to behave like humans. They're, they're programmed to shepherd and to guard the androids that are behaving like humans, I suppose. But they don't seem to have a massive amount of use in that no. vein even and are the crawl expecting there to be other people on this training planet well no true because i mean th- this is a secret secret training base presumably yeah they're not expecting humans to show up so the why would you even have armed guards there i don't know it, it makes absolutely no sense and they're not planning to send robots to earth to shoot humans they're planning to release some sort of poison there so Oh. oh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. No, the, the the plot I really struggle with, which is a shame because I think it's just it's just one little bit. It's the fact that they want to poison people. Like, yeah. maybe if it was just an invasion, a slow invasion thing, it would be too much of a straight copy of maybe the Auton things or, or some other. Yeah, in Auton, in, Who thing. Invasion of the Autons, Auton Invasion, whatever it's called, uh, a Pertwee serial. They have, the plan is we're going to, replace real humans in positions of authority with their Auton counterparts, with Auton replicas. Yeah. And here we're like, let's scale that back a little bit. We're going to go and replace the pub landlord. (laughs) (laughs) The horror. Oh my God. People might not get the pint they ordered. (laughs) I think that scene actually where the doctor interacts with the pub landlord is brilliant. Yeah. Well, I find the, the pub landlord a slightly odd character because he seems to be the one android that we actually see conversing with people yeah that's hell-bent on i'm meant to be learning how to (laughs) like fly under the radar and behave like a human maybe he's not aware that he is a robot do you think maybe there's just some programming in there i mean they don't seem super self-reliant no androids they're just following ones and zeros yeah yeah, there's, there's no kind of sentience here, which no. is why the Doctor's so blasé about killing off... Well, not killing off, but his double getting killed later on. Yeah. Which, I was very happy that the Doctor got a double. But he to was, fight himself, yeah, that's great. It was a little bit of like, well, this is going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, I didn't know how it was going to play out, but you, you, it's ca- clearly gonna you kind of knew that there was going to be a double of both of them at some point. But he only got to fight himself. He never got to, you know, converse with himself. No, I guess because it, it wasn't a, a copy that he could talk to. Yeah, but isn't that weird, though? Why can he have a conversation with the pub landlord? I mean, they're probably all running on the same software, and they're 
they've got the same hardware installed. Yeah, I, well, I, he has a conversation with his Android self as much as he has a conversation with the pub landlord. Like, oh, does he? I don't think the landlord's really giving him a lot of exp- exposition or anything. He's, okay, he's no, just I guess that's fair. chit-chatting for the most part. He's setting a lot of ambience, though. Yeah. Oh, okay, and I guess he also has kind of an interaction with the Benton robot as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think you're right, though, that they're, they're very kind of basic. They... I don't know. Although the idea like the is... Hall of Presidents at Disney World or Disneyland, yeah. whichever one it is. But then the idea is that they're so close to being able to actually blend in with human society. Yeah. And just do that. It's like, no, they're, they're, they're <laughs> not really. <laughs> like, if you, if you saw someone behaving like any of those people, those androids were behaving... Yeah. You'd probably... You'd be nudging your, your mate going... Let's, let's go to a different pub. Yeah, that... <laughs> That guy's super weird. Like, he's on something. He's had way too many. (laughs) (laughs) And look at that milkmaid. Okay, that is not the one plot point that... I'm not going to say bothered me the most, but that I found the most hilarious. Okay, would it not have been easier to just take Crayford's eye? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that reveal was kind of... (laughs) Why? Why is is this a thing? (laughs) And what what was it all meant to mean? Like when Crayford's saying that they put him back together. Like, did you actually get what was meant to have happened to him? No, in, in like space? he was he was injured in some way. Okay, so and and what they said to the point that they can't find his eye. Yeah, and, like what? Like is was did he go through a blender? <laughs> And they literally had to put him back molecule by molecule and they couldn't find the molecules for his eye. So they put an eye patch on him and he never <laughs> thinks to look underneath the eye patch and it turns out he has two perfectly healthy eyes. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you're quite aware you can see when you're wearing an eye yeah. patch. <laughs> it's just so dumb. And also when he's coming back two years <laughs> late and they're watching him on a screen. Yeah. In his space, yes. space helmet with an eye patch. Yes. Oh, that is my next question. That is genuine. Like, where did he get the eye patch from? How come unit isn't weirded out by it? Do spaceship crews just pack a crate of eye patches <laughs> to be on the safe side? Also speculated that maybe, I mean, he was testing out this space freighter, the XK-5 freighter. Maybe the payload was just a crate full of eye patches. <laughs> but right. no one goes, oh, shit, Crayford, what happened to your face? Like, <laughs> where did you get that eye patch yeah. from? <laughs> Yeah, checklist for the su- supply inventory. <laughs> Sandwiches, check. <laughs> Some water, check. Five thousand eye patches, check. check. <laughs> We're sending them to Alpha Centauri. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing is, though, that you, you find yourself focusing on that more than the fact that he just hand waves. Oh, yeah, I managed to stretch out my supplies. By drinking for, my whiz. <laughs> yeah, for two years. Like, on my own, I survived in a space shuttle effectively for two yeah. years like no and no. just like pooping in a circle i was my own human centipede <laughs> <laughs> i've just been living off i've been eating eye patches for years. <laughs> nice <laughs> you mentioned before we press record that you looked up mr eye patch himself i had just written down that he looked very familiar to me but you actually managed to pinpoint who he was uh no to be fair i didn't Oh, okay. I, I have looked him up. Okay. I felt he was familiar, but it turns out I don't think I really know him from anything. He's done bit parts in a lot of stuff. Okay. He has been in Doctor Who before, though. Mm-mm. Namely in The Enemy of the World. Oh, yes. Which is a fantastic one where you also get two... 
well, you get not two doctors, but you get the doctor actor playing two characters. Mm. Yeah, Troughton versus Troughton. Yeah, he. I mean, he has a lot of cameos. He is officially in The Empire Strikes Back. What? But I think he's he's just an Imperial officer that kind of walks across the screen. He might have a line. That's still pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take that. Oh, yeah, I would definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I think he's he's one of those kind of minor actors that pops up in a few different things. Okay. The So staying on the lines of actors. Uh-huh. So we have these Kraals. Yes. And there's one main guy who's kind of running the show, which is the scientist. Is that Laurel surgeon. or Hardy? <laughs> Sturgron? Stur- Stygron? Stygron, I think they've been uh, saying. Yeah, I made a note of it somewhere. I can't find yeah. it. So he he's not someone I'm familiar with. And then there's the marshal who's kind of trying to oversee. Oh, yeah. Stigron the, and Chidaki. Yeah. So Chidaki is played by Roy Skelton. Which is a name that rings a bell. Well, it didn't really ring my bell, but as soon as I read his list, um, I was gobsmacked to find out he... Well, staying in Doctor Who land, he's voiced Daleks and Cybermen and... Respect. Crotons. Crotons. But for any UK person that grew up in... I want to say 70s, 80s. He voiced Zippy and George on Rainbow. I'm going to look this up. You mentioned this before, <laughs> and I don't know what that is. Zippy. If you type in Zippy, it immediately suggests Rainbow. Oh, oh, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> is this some sort of weird sexual gimp muppet? He has a he has a, a zip for a mouth. <laughs> um, oh, there he is, Roy Skelton. This is a children's show. I'll have you know. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Although there is an episode out there that's all full of on- double entendre. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. They're playing with their twangers. Hey! Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. Otherwise, I don't believe there's, there's much interesting trivia around the cast. Okay. It's not really trivia, but we mentioned very, very briefly Benton before. This is the last time that Benton will appear on the show. Which is quite sad, really. It's so sad. Because other than a tiny bit we alluded to in the intro, which is the little phone conversation he has. Yeah. It turns out to be his sister, but I think the guy, I can't remember who stood next to him, but the guy who's overhearing the conversation thinks it's like a, a girlfriend. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, you told her. Yeah. <laughs> You're very, very decisive. Like, we'll be there at eight. And he's like, dude, that was my sister. <laughs> I wouldn't talk to, like, a romantic interest like that. <laughs> like, that's, that's a nice little Benton moment. But otherwise, he's mostly an android, I think. And he is. He's not doing a lot. And his, like, exit from this episode is a bit odd as well. Because, I mean, we get to see him knocked out, but we never get to see him stumble back into frame, you know? Oh, is it just left? Isn't that kind of odd? Yeah. So real Benton, last thing we see is him lying on the floor. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And there's another, oh, now I can't remember what it's called, but it, it's one of the Atlantis episodes. Oh, I'll, I'll find it. Anyway, so th- there's, there's a bit where Benton, he doesn't get knocked out per se, but he gets rejuvenated to the point where he's a baby, as in he is an actual infant. Right. And, uh, and then we get rid of Benton for most of the serial. But then we do return, and Benton has now grown back into his like correctly aged self he's just he ends on it's one of those uh, slow motion high five freeze frame la- end on a joke kind of moments because he's there naked all of a sudden because you know he was a baby oh right but at the very least we get confirmation that he's coming back here he may as well have died like we yeah don't, we don't know also the last appearance of harry sullivan which is equally mistreated they didn't need to be in this no that's, i think that's that's the thing. It's like they someone made a decision to put them into this serial. Yeah. But they didn't make the decision to make it worth it. And I 
I read a trivia note saying the intention was to have the, the brigadier in this as well, but he wasn't available. But then it's all written as if he should be. Yeah. The doctor goes into the brigadier's office in the fake... His name is on the door. Yeah, exactly. So he's in the fake village and he's expecting the brig to be there. He's not. And then this random colonel walks in talking to Benton at one point yeah. and I think goes into the brig- brigadier's office. Colonel fucking Faraday, who has no business in Bagel's office. I'm yeah. so pissed off at that guy. <laughs> It's, it's kind of like, why? It's, like, how late a decision was it they couldn't get hold of? Probably quite a late. Courtney. Well, so in the trivia on Todd's Wiki, it says that Nicholas Courtney actually passed up on this. So he, oh, really? he, he was annoyed because in some previous serial, he had been cast. Uh, in a small pass, he shows up, and without giving him any notice, they cut his pass. Oh. So maybe they shot it and just cut that footage, or they just didn't even shoot him. And he was, quote, very annoyed. <laughs> so he just didn't, uh, he, he didn't agree to do this one. But presumably they, they had written it with him in mind. They just assumed he would do it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty poor. It is. Hmm. It's it treating one of your beloved characters. He's amazing. Huh. He's a legend. And, and, oh, wait, hang on. Should we look up? Does he return? Are we going to get any more Lethbridge Stewart? Oh, yeah, we get a few more. Oh, I think we only really get one by looks at. So he, yeah, oh my goodness, he returns in the Five Doctors. Oh, sorry, Mordron Undead, the Five Doctors, and a battlefield. Three more, and then after that, it's really just it's New Who, Death in Heaven. He shows up in, but I think that's actually wait, Death in Heaven is the one where he's he had just passed away recently, yeah. and there's a Cyberman, and we we find out that he is in. Yes. There. It's the one where he salutes and then flies into yeah, the sun. Yeah. Oh, and he shows up in a couple of Sarah Jane adventures. But wait, actually, I'm looking at this now. He's in two things that we're going to have to cover as bonus episodes. Something called, like, v- director VHS stuff. Wartime and downtime. Oh, I think we talked about that before. That's that's the one where his daughter is introduced. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember which With one it is now. A different actress playing her. Yeah, I, exactly. I think, I think it was downtime, perhaps. Oh, my goodness. And in wartime, uh, Benton returns as well. Oh. Hey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> watch that. That's going to be great. Okay, so at the very least, we have a little bit more bagels to, to look forward to. Yeah, but we, we're phasing out unit, are we, I think? Yeah, I think so too. Just, I'm not really expecting to see them much more as a concept, like in classic. Yeah, it's going to be more... Yeah, you're right. It's going to be a lot more space, I guess. Like space and other planets. Unit will return, but... Unit will return. Yeah. <laughs> in Octopussy. <laughs> when, when you saw Faraday... And before, I mean, it takes a good long while before they introduce him as Faraday. Did you think, oh shit, they've just recast the Brigadier? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, that. for a very split second, I thought, holy shit, he's let himself go. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then thought, no, wait, have they got someone else playing the Brigadier? Yeah, he's got a mustache and everything. Yeah. It's not cool. And I have no idea what uniforms they're trying to go for, but I'm pretty sure it's the exact same uniform. And he's the colonel, and obviously the brigadier um, is a brigadier. It's a brigadier, yeah. But they look like the same uniform. I, f- I feel like they just, they were really up against the wall. It was like, shit. Oh, shit. Bring we, we, anyone with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> we're shooting in two hours. Who can pop one out of his face? <laughs> <laughs> There's another little bit of trivia, actually. Because we get a third crawl. Oh, do we? For the briefest of scenes doesn't even say anything i think he he might hand them one of the other corrals the the matter dissolver bomb perhaps oh right okay um but yeah there, there is a scene where you see three corrals and i was like oh who's that one <laughs> <laughs> never appears again i forgot about that entirely um according to the trivia it's a 
it's actually a long time stuntman that's that's in that costume. Oh, so I don't know if that was a little kind of nice to you. Is like you know you can you still be behind a mask, but you can you can be in you this can be one. on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I quite like that. I didn't register it at all. So for the most part, I was enjoying Sarah Jane and the Doctor in this serial. I think their chemistry was pretty good. Agreed. I think. Better than the last time, right? Oh, definitely. Well, the Doctor was the Doctor again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Including the three or possibly four occasions where he just straight up abandoned Sarah Jane somewhere. Yes. But I, I don't mind that because I think they've, they've got a little rapport going where it's like, I'm going to do this thing. You stay here, Sarah. You and stay in she, this tree, Sarah. And she immediately buckers <laughs> off. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's what happens. Like, she goes and does her thing. He goes and does his thing. and then. But they're working... Like both at the same level almost. Yeah. Which is which is good. He's no longer making fun of her or talking down to her as he was in Pyramids. No, definitely not. And the doc he's he's nice and fun as well. I think he's got a lot of good lines. I don't know if I've written that many down, but I, I did like at one point he, he I think he get ca- gets captured mm-hmm. and he has a little quip saying, Oh, if you're calling the butler, I'm very partial to tea and muffins. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, Sarah Jane and the Doctor being a good team. Yeah. What the feck was going on with <laughs> handing over the TARDIS key and then Sarah Jane leaving it in the TARDIS door? Yeah, exactly. Leaves it in the TARDIS door and just walks away for a bit. Yeah. Like, oh, what's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, the TARDIS is re- gone. <laughs> really quite reckless. Yeah. Wait, hang on. So how does this work? So they... Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. There's something fundamental that I've missed now. So they did they land on this training ground because the TARDIS got confused. They were aiming for real Devsham. Yes. And they landed on this other planet that just happens to look like Devsham. Where where are we with the TARDIS behavior? Oh, is it in the kind of it goes where it needs to go. I don't feel like that's happening just yet. No. Like at the moment it's still just a spaceship, I think. Or a slash time machine. The doctor was definitely saying like it talking it, like it's it, it doesn't always do what it's meant to do, but not that it's taking him where it wants to go rather than he's told it to go. Yeah, I don't think there's any sentience behind the no. TARDIS, at least not ex- explicitly. But is it that, oh, well, I, I when I input the coordinates, all I said was, look for a sign that says, welcome to Devsham. And this was the <laughs> first one that came up. <laughs> well, last time they ended up, what was it, 100 years? No, not 100 years. Right like, space, wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. That it, makes it more like sense 50, to me, though, I think. 56, 60 years early or something, wasn't yeah. it? That makes more sense, though, right? And then it's just coincidentally also the yeah. site of a human or of an Earth invasion. Yeah, you, you could definitely say right space, wrong time, or wrong space, right time. Yeah, not wrong space. Possibly right I, time. I guess maybe but, it is the right time. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it, coincidentally, another place that looks identical to this one. Yeah. And also, why were they aiming for Devsham? Well, I don't think they were. I think they were aiming for Unit all the oh, time. Okay. Not quite sure why, because that's not where Sarah Jane lives. <laughs> maybe they're honing in on someone like Benton. Maybe. And there's... Oh, oh I don't know. Because Sarah Jane wants to get back to London. Yeah, but that's also an oddity to me. Because at the end, she's like, no, no, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to take public transport. Are you sure you don't want to come in the TARDIS? No, I want to come in the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah that was a bit odd. <laughs> I feel like it was missing a couple more lines. And yeah, then exactly. it would have been nice. He yeah. could he could have dropped one or two more like exotic locations in space and time. Wouldn't you like to come and have tea with uh, Queen so-and-so? Yeah. And then we'll go, and then I'll take you home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or come and look at the diamond waterfalls of Penandrium. Yes. You know, trademark. 
Yeah, I don't really understand why they land there, unless there's something on the planet that is designed to like, fetch humans and space-time machines. You would think the opposite, because this is a clandestine operation. They don't want people there. Okay, here's, a, here's another question then, which may help solve this puzzle. Do they not say, doesn't Crayford in fact say, that they he fell through a space-time something? Hang on, I'm going to find the note. They've sent androids through space-time warp. That's a, that's a quote of someone. <laughs> Hang on, is is there context to that? Yeah. I don't recall that. But. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it. Okay, Crayford enters the cell and tells the Doctor that it is all for the best. Soon the Krolls will send his ship back by space-time warp so that he can make a normal landing. So that just sounds to me, given, given what actually happens in the episode, that sounds like it's just they can send him across the galaxy quickly. Yeah. Because he still turns up two years late. He does, right. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not a case of them compensating for the time that he spent away by sending him back in time. No. Hmm. Okay, here's another thing, actually. This is also from TARDIS Wikia. Uh, the Doctor explains that the coordinates were set for Sarah's time, but the linear coordinates were off. They could be miles from London. They, so they could, were... could be miles from London. Yeah. Yeah, just so a few. There are quite a few coinkidinks here. So they aim for Sarah's time. Spot on, bingo bongo. Yeah. But they get the location wrong and accidentally end up in a place that is a replica of a place on Earth. It's also a place on Earth which Sarah Jane has visited. Also a place on Earth where our regular ancillary cast like Benton and Harry and uh, yeah. Bagels are currently located. Or Bagels is not there, but his office is. It's a lot of coinkidinks. There is. Which also actually raises a question I hadn't thought of before. Sarah Jane's saying... She's been to this space defense station. Yeah. Such a Terry Nationism, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> so she's been there two years ago, she says. Yes. Unit is definitely there now. Why? Why? And, what does it and, really did, have and were they there two years ago? Look, this isn't unit headquarters, actually, is no. it? This isn't. This is, no, no, this this is a is different like, thing. This is the space defense station. So unit probably has a hand in it. But why would the brigadier who heads up units be there? Because normally his office is at unit hq yeah i guess maybe he has offices all over the place because he's important oh i guess so yeah maybe but well, benton is his second in yeah why, like, why is benton there and harry yeah like, it, it does feel like <laughs> they just moved unit headquarters for this episode and, ev- and everyone should be going why is why is unit headquarters next to this this space defense station <laughs> now like it wasn't before maybe it's like in james bond you know where where they move occasionally in classic james bond films they move the headquarters so m has his own office and q has his own lab in a completely different location yeah you remember there's a is it in you only live twice or something where there's a boat that looks like it's half sunken but inside you walk in and there's like there's there's an office in there money penny is there <laughs> m is there q is like testing tanks and shit maybe that's it maybe wherever the plot requires they set up a whole new office for yeah. all of the unit brass. If they talked about it like that, I would be on board. <laughs> the okay. fact that it's not mentioned at all is annoying. I like that the doctor, by the way, refers to himself as the unpaid scientific advisor of unit. Yes, I like that phrase as well. Because mm. I, I assume, I, well, I have a vague recollection of him being referred to as a scientific advisor yeah. or attaché of unit or something like that. It was the unpaid bit that I quite liked, yeah. which I, I don't think I've heard before. I'm not sure if, if it has come up before. I don't think so. No. It's also kind of fun because Doc surely doesn't need payment. 
No, but he's kind of just like yeah, yeah, niggling <laughs> yeah. in there as just like you, you bastards don't even remember me. I come here and do all this stuff for free. So when he does, he, I mean, he, okay, so he walks into Bagel's office where at the moment Crayford is located. Crayford, who is armed, I don't know why. What is? Why does he have a gun? Why is there even a gun on this planet? Yeah, and Crayford knows of the Doctor. Well, I guess because no, yeah, because this is where it doesn't make sense. Because he's just an astronaut. Like, this implies do all astronauts know that there's a Time Lord on stuff. But this implies that Unit was involved in this space station all, yeah. for all all these years. And I guess maybe you you would kind of hear about this scientific advisor who some people are saying is an alien. Oh wait, hang on. I might have a theory now. I don't know if this is true. Did Crayford at any point, did, does he say that he at any point sent message to Earth that, hey, I'm coming, I'm on my way back and I'm still alive? He does, like, later on, yeah. Because maybe he has already sent that message by the time Doc and Sarah Jane arrive on this planet. And therefore, the assumption is Unit has set up a temporary office in the Space Defense Station because they know that this guy who's been away for two years is coming back with vital data or something. I guess that's possible. I think it, it seems more it seems more likely to me because they've created a replica of that whole facility. Yeah. Complete, Including complete with label with Brigadier Leopard Stewart. Yeah. Um, I would have to say that the unit involvement has always been there. And I think that's that's why Crayford has heard of the Doctor. Okay. Because he's been around UNIT people, even though he may not be part of UNIT. I think we just untangled part of this otherwise potential I think it's, it's still weird that Benton and Harry are there. Yeah. And the androids know... Sorry, not the androids. The Kral know to replicate those particular people as androids. In fact, how do they know who to replicate? How, how have they got their information <laughs> i have no idea they've been scanning what's his face's brain crayford's brain right they have the i mean there is the actual commence the analysis of the brain <laughs> <scene>. <laughs> which is pretty great the disco ball face lights so from those tests from those analyses they've probably gleaned lots of details about the the layout of the building and the faces of the people in that building that crayford isn't even himself completely aware of because yeah. they're just they're stored somewhere in his in his cortex. And that would also explain why he probably went to the pub at some point before blast off, so they also know exactly who's in the pub. Well, as we established ev- earlier, everyone in the world goes to that ev- pub at oh, some yeah. point. Oh, wait, sorry, what am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So I, th- I think, I knew this was called the Android Evasion, uh-huh. but when we, when we start seeing people like Benton in the environment acting strangely... I wasn't quite sure what was happening. What like was there some kind of nanobot thing going on that was taking over real people? Because I think I think there was a point where was well, there's certainly a point where Crayford like cancels the order to kill the Doctor, and Benton's literally got a gun train on at this point, and yeah. then just kind of like stops attacking. Like there's this this kind of feeling there's mind control almost, and then there's the big reveal that all along they were just android replicas. The whole village was a replica in some kind of plastic or I don't know. And uh, I don't know. I kind of liked that the there was there was a kind of question over everything and then the reveal came and and it all just kind of slotted into place. I yeah, I agree. I mean, I and remembered a, a f- not everything, but I remembered enough about what was going on to to know that it wasn't a case of nanobots and yeah. stuff or, so you, or brain, you know. Control. You you knew or were assuming at least that all these 
other people were androids. Yeah, I didn't remember that androids. it was a different place or a training ground or anything like that. Yeah. But I, I very distinctly remember the sensation as a kid thinking, I don't know who's real and who's not. And I obviously remembered, as I said, I remembered that scene of, oh, Sarah Jane is not real. She tumbles down the whatever, the slope, and her face falls off. And so I knew, okay, at some point we're going to see that. That means if Sarah Jane is fake, then everyone can be fake. And, you know, you extrapolate from that. Yeah. Do you think that the title, The Android Invasion, is just there to throw us off guard? Or throw us off the scent? Because there isn't, they're not planning an android invasion. They're just planning to release a, a poison into the atmosphere. Do you recall explicit detail of what they want to do with the virus? How, like, how they're going to release the virus? No. Wait. Shall I look it up? Because <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going back to my massive issue with the plot. We get a scene right at the end where Stygron falls onto the vial of the virus. The virus, distributed by androids, will wipe Earth clean in three weeks, then burn itself out, says Stygron. So they will use androids to carry it around the world. Or all of the world will come to Deepsham. <laughs> They're fucking stupid. <laughs> the Kraals. <laughs> That's not how you invade a planet of billions of people. Well, so, so presumably they then, I mean, they have also built android replicas of the unit champs, of Benton and, and everyone else there. So presumably what they want is take over the unit station or the space defense station, thank you, Terra Nation, and then <laughs> send them out into the world. From, from that point on, that's not a problem, right? If you are in charge of units' airplanes, for example, you can just send one to each continent. I don't know how powerful this virus is, but you send, or let's say, you divide the Earth into, like, all land on Earth into 10 or 20 or however many, 500 different segments, however large a segment needs to be in order to be, you know, susceptible to this virus. You send one android to each segment and boom, Bob's your uncle three weeks later, it's your planet. Okay. Problems I see with this analysis. <laughs> okay. One. I dare you to find one. <laughs> <laughs> the the evidence we have for the potency of this virus is iffy. That's true. So we see the corals reacting to it as if it's a vial of the Acid most dangerous thing in the universe. Yeah. Then when, this is what I was referring to earlier, when Stygron falls on the vial at the end yeah. and starts melting a bit, no one else in the room is harmed by it. Yeah, you're right. It's not airborne. It's not airborne. There's never even a kind of shit, stay back from him. No one touch him. No one do anything. It's just like, oh, he's gone now. Okay. Uh, No one's in real danger. Just move on. Okay. So we've got conflicting evidence of what the, the virus could do. That's true. At one point, they even lift the lid of the virus inside the the spaceship, the Kral spaceship, and Stigron or Chidaki or whatever his, his name is, just goes, oh, no, no, put the lid back on. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you can't what, walk around with I mean. open virus Tupperware. That's crazy. Yeah, they're, they're super afraid of it at the start. Yeah. And then the actual- But what they're thinking is probably like, put the lid on, because otherwise you might stumble and spill it on. <laughs> well, <you. laughs> and okay. the other thing is, it's meant to be designed to target humans like okay it's probably not great for kraal either yeah but there but. is sarah jane is in the room she could be right sarah jane is in in the kraal spaceship i think when stigron dies of the poison when when he dies there's the doctor there is sarah jane i think there's someone else i think maybe maybe real benton no not real benton maybe oh no, I think no. Some... crayford crayford is there i think he's died at that point because yeah because Oh, okay. Stygron shoots him. Oh, right. Okay. So, I, well, at the very least, let's say the doctor has a different physiognomy and he's not susceptible yeah. to this. Virus. Sarah Jane is definitely. Sarah dead. Jane is fucking Deadsville. Yeah. That's crazy talk. But, okay. So, 
I have two questions though, which might mitigate this problem. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm just cut you off there. Did you, sorry. I was, I was just going to come back to your your point of uh, distributing it around the world. Even if yeah. you were to say it's an airborne virus or, or some kind of pathogen that's airborne, and they only need a handful of androids to go out and in well populated areas, and that's going to wipe out humanity. Yeah. Why do you need androids? Just fire a pod or a missile. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. You know. That, Spread it into the atmosphere and let it rain onto the exactly. world or something. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like stupid. the technology they have. <laughs> like this is the most convoluted way of distributing a virus that they could come up with. Okay, so I, I have two theories, but theory one requires two questions. Question one: How anatomically correct do you think these androids are? And two: Are they sexually transmitted? Is this disease sexually transmittable? <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's theory number one. And theory number two is, do you think they just fill these androids with that virus and then train them to sneeze? Like They just like go to this <laughs> densely popular area and, yeah, exactly, and just sneeze, sneeze on the tube. <laughs> <laughs> I want to think that. <laughs> the, the second one, not the first one. I don't want to think of androids boning their way around the, the world to kill people. <laughs> I mean... I'm not talking without consent. I'm talking like they. you make these androids, you, you turn them into, you know, Jude Law in AI. Like they're just super seductive sex <laughs> robots. And then they just plow their way through mankind. <laughs> but the other thing, like we don't have any evidence that they're going to send these androids off one by one because yeah. they have replicated a very small village to the detail of the 20 occupants of this village. Yeah. You know, they haven't replicated a random assortment of people that could blend into different environments. Ah, uh, but what we don't know is that in 1981, like, this is said in 1980, right? So, yeah, like, right. the year later, there will be a real ale festival in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> that can handle a population of 2,000. <laughs> 2,000? Try 6 billion. <laughs> oh, that's... And I kind, I kind of love it for the the absolute naivety of the situation. <laughs> like this, this is Doctor Who all over. It's a little bit hammy with yeah, with the the <laughs> grandness of the plan is is to wipe out all humanity. The execution of the plan is twenty people in a village. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it does sort of crop up from time to time. We had it with the controlling Nessie. They went to some. Yeah, environmental conference or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And like, oh yeah, we've got a Nessie. We're not afraid to use it. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is not how you take over a world. No, not that I would know. You have a dinosaur at your disposal. Just go munch everyone. Like, <laughs> you probably have better bet that way. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there were a few points in the serial where I, it, I don't know if they were deliberate red herrings, but I had completely the wrong theories about what was going on. Okay. Example one, the ginger beer. So Doc gets some ginger beer, uh, possibly two bottles of ginger beer or two pints of ginger beer yeah. at the pub. He leaves, like the, the guy lets him leave, fine. Later on, he meets the Sarah Jane robot and he offers her some ginger beer. Yes. And the second she takes the ginger beer, Doc's face changes a little bit. He's just like, oh, oh. And I assumed, in my notes I even wrote down, that is Totes Malotes, not ginger beer. He has somehow tricked her. Like, he's given her a bottle of oil or whatever, or water, something that isn't ginger beer. And the Sarah Jane android has not reacted correctly to it. And that's how he knows that it's not Sarah Jane. That was not the case. No. 
So I maybe you missed something. So I think it's straight as they come out of the TARDIS. Oh, really? At the beginning. Okay. The Doc is swigging a ginger beer. And Sarah Jane makes a very offhand comment of she thinks it's disgusting. Oh, I did miss that. Yeah. Oh, I did miss that. So like there, there's a nice little kind of subtlety through this. That this ginger Because I, I picked up on the ginger beer reference as he was swigging it in the t- oh, just outside the TARDIS. Okay. Because I thought it was a bit odd. Like, why is the doctor swigging this bottle of ginger beer? It sounds like Chekhov's ginger beer. Exactly. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> um, I totally I, missed that first line. But I think it was done in quite a nice way. I think maybe because the doctor has a pint of ginger beer just in the pub and then he throws three bull's eyes yeah. <laughs> and he's like commenting on the how <laughs> the the dartboard's never been used before and he's, he's chit-chatting with the pub landlord yeah and then he gets a, a bottle of ginger beer or oh, i think he says ginger pop <laughs> to go and that's the one he then uses as a little test on android sarah jane right and i think i think it's, it's quite nicely done okay if, yeah no no if, i if take it back all the bits i suppose i take it back that is that's very nice then i'm gonna bump up my score now <laughs> <laughs> But it is, it is a very quick throwaway thing right at the start, so you have to be paying attention. Otherwise, I guess I guess that scene would be a bit weird. The, the idea that he's used this as a test to determine this is definitely an Android version of Sarah Jane. It, doesn't, it just doesn't mean anything if you didn't get that very quick one earlier. No, that's true. I mean, there's something else he says in that scene, though, that, that tips the, sort of the, the last straw for him, the way he realizes, oh, you know what? This is not my companion. This is someone else. I can't remember what it is now. Yeah. Something about her. Oh, it's her jacket or... Oh, uh, I, no, that's right. He he reveals afterwards oh, that he, he knew all alone because she was she didn't have her scarf. scarf. Exactly. He was he had her scarf. Yeah, so... Yeah. It, so, so, that, so I don't know why he did that test then. You don't it, need the ginger pop. Like, yeah. you, you already... It's like, I'm, I'm literally holding her scarf. She's, she's got a scarf. It. Yeah. She's a fucking android. <laughs> Wait, let me just check with this... <laughs> Offering a ginger pop. <laughs> okay, hang on. I'm thinking there were other things as well. Oh, what was it? What was it? Oh, the the one eye that couldn't be found. I had forgotten that he just lifts his eye patch and there's an eye there that he right. he's unharmed. I assumed maybe at some point because he makes a point of saying like we like they couldn't find my eye. Yeah. So I figured at some point they will have extracted his eye deliberately just to make it seem as though he really needed surgery and, and whatever. And he will go into a part of the spaceship he hasn't been in before, or the dock will show him, and there is his eye. And they've used it for whatever reason to, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've used it to somehow uh, read the retina for the actual images of what people looked like in the Space Defense Station or something to that effect. Maybe to use it for DNA samples or something. Yeah. And that, oh my goodness, they, they did find my eye, but they deliberately didn't put it back in. But nope, that did not happen. That probably would have been better. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Rather than this weird, oh, oh, look, wait, I, I had an eye all along. I just if only I had I a single shower in two years' time. <laughs> <laughs> like, if someone told me, if I woke up and someone told me I'd lost an eye, oh, you'd one hundred percent check yourself in the yeah, mirror, right? I would be poking the eye socket, yeah, within like three minutes. Oh, I, I would be like grossed out, but I would be going. Oh my god! There's no fucking eyeball there. Yeah. Oh my god! That's just an eyeball. Yeah, oh my god! You put your so finger weird. in your in that socket. Yeah. And then you'd, I mean, you'd put that finger inside yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> your eye socket. What are you talking about? <laughs> I do worry about you sometimes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna make myself another another drink. Would you like one? Yes. 
I would like to talk briefly about the the mini cliffhangers you get at the end of each episode. Oh, brilliant suggestion. Yeah, let's hear it. So the first one, we get to see a glimpse of who's really behind everything. Yeah. And I was quite thrown, thrown by that. I thought that was a nice little ending. Yeah. Literally see an eye and a bit of cheek of some alien. Did you make any assumptions about the alien? I actually wondered if it was a Sontaran. Exactly what I wrote down. Ooh, it's, is that a Sontaran was my note. Yeah, especially with the name Stygron. Yeah. I think it sounded a bit Sontaran. That could totally be a Sontaran, yeah. Yeah. It's not quite the same kind of thing, but... But I agree, that's an excellent cliffhanger. We get, like, Sarah Jane's colourful rainbow crocs, and then oh, pan yeah. up to... <laughs> yeah, why is she dressed Eyeball. like a, a sailor in this? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Some weird outfit, yeah. <laughs> the Doctor's outfit's nice, though. He... I don't know if that's his, is yeah, that his usual, usual no, coat? No, so this is the first appearance of his grey tweed yeah. coats. Nice. It's beautiful. I would have one of those. Yeah, same here. In fact, I, let's find out where we can get them because we have been sorely missing a Who Back When uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked up that outfit. Apparently, this is the first time it appears. I didn't remember, but I, I reacted to how beautiful it was. And it will not appear very often. It is a rarely used grey coat. Oh, right. I don't know why. This is almost one of the outfits that I would like intuitively associate with the Doctor. Yeah, it's very nice. Is, is he wearing it all the way through? Because I think I... He takes off his coat at one point, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe, to throw maybe it's just the a dogs. bit darker in other scenes. Wait, are the dogs androids? Yes, <laughs> they must be. So wait, why do they have dogs? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, this didn't dawn on me until... I'm sorry I just cut you off, but that is a shocker. Well... Is it a and, robot dog that can pick up a scent? Yeah. And because that's the case... What? I don't know. And why oh. Why do they go to the point of recreating oh the surrounding area of, of Desham to the point where there's a nearby lake or stream? Yeah. and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Far too elaborate. <laughs> A scheme for what they're trying to do. Also, in the very beginning, I mean, I, I mentioned this in the in the beginning of this review, and I, we didn't really talk about it, but he says quite deliberately, this must be Earth. We are in the right place because acorns don't grow anywhere else in the universe. Yeah. So how do, are they growing there? Well, they've replicated it. Because this is... So they're fake acorns? This is something, like, yeah, that I I kind of forgot a little bit because it... They they have established this by the point where the doctor gets tied up later with some vines, and I was just like rolling my eyes. As are they really trying to tie him up with some vines? And then realised a bit of a doy moment. It's like oh, because this is all fake. That's not really oh yeah uh, plant matter. That's something else, which ends up getting sonics by Sarah Jane to to release yeah. it. Oh, I but love it. Then, that's, a, that's a good retcon. But then well, not retcon. Yeah. Okay. If that's the case, if it's so obvious that that vine isn't a real vine because it's really strong and yeah. is made of plastic. Why doesn't the Doctor spot that immediately when they land on the planet? Like, if, if they fate an acorn tree... Well, yeah, why doesn't he go, this acorn feels like metal? Yeah, like, something. whatever it's made of, it's not natural. That seems to be what they, they establish later on. So he should be really quick to go, that's not really a tree, this isn't really grass, you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if this were, let, let's transpose this to Matt Smith times, if if this were a Matt Smith serial... Oh, it'd be licking the hell out of it. Exactly. He would have, like, plucked one of the acorns out and, like, sucked on it or grabbed some grass and chewed on it and sp- spat it out and then gone, oh, something not quite right here. Yeah. Which you could still do. You could still have that with a just kind of not putting... Not put that the, acorn the, in your mouth. 
well, <laughs> <laughs> there could there could still be something where it's like a bit more. This definitely is off. Like I don't know what's going on. It feels like Earth. It looks like Earth, but it's not quite Earth, and I don't know why. Like yeah. there's got to be a bit more of that, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. And that might have let it slide a bit later when they they kind of reveal that the entire environment is fake. No, you're right though. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off there. Go ahead. This was a massive tangent from having a little look through the cliffhanger bits because I thought episode one one was good. Okay. Because yeah. mainly because it wasn't much of a cliffhanger. It was it was a reveal. It was yes. it was it was ending on a high almost. It was like oh, I want to know what is going on. Not someone's in peril and oh, it's just going to be hand waved next week. Yeah, and it's also not just. I mean, it also reveals. I mean, sorry, it subverts your expectation that the um, the chaps in spacesuits are the bad guys. All of a sudden, oh, no, there's something even more sinister and, and intelligent yeah, going exactly. on behind the scenes. Yeah, so I think that's good. I, I think that's what I would rather they did a lot of the time. Agreed, yeah. It's just ending you with a little tidbit of, oh, there's more to come. I want to watch episode two to find out what's going on. Yeah. Which we also get at the end of episode two as well, I think. Correct. Because I think it just ends on the Sarah Jane robot. And her face. And her face. Or its face. It's not a massive reveal. Oh, God, I it's, love it so much. But it's it's a nice little thing as well. It's it's, it's a scary image. It's a, like, I imagine watching this as a child, you would be quite scarred by seeing Sarah Jane as a robot, you know, with her face falling off. Yeah, correct. I, my note is that it's a bit naff because the androidy bit is not great. <laughs> you know, I, I'm happy to hand wave that for being 1975. So the, the first and second episode, I think, have nice little cliffhangers. They, yeah. But, well, they're not really cliffhangers. This is what I think I would like them all to be in these classic serials. It's not tiring to finish an episode with something just ramping up, which you know is just going to be thrown away at the start of the next one. It's just a it's a little tidbit of Which was very much a stuff. Pertwee thing. Or like, that was one of the symptoms of the Pertwee serials. Right? Yeah. Like, it would end on, effectively, a fight. And how can he possibly win this fight? Like, a monster attacks him from behind. Yeah. And then the next episode starts with him, like, karate chopping him or something. Or the yeah, the, the worst one I, I can think of immediately, I think, is Revenge of the Cybermen, I think it is. Where Sarah Jane falls off this massive... Oh, yeah. Frame she's been climbing yeah, up yeah. for about 30 seconds, or I don't know. And like falling from a very big height. Clearly dead. Literally, like, freeze frame her surrounded by black. Like she's she's in the middle of nowhere falling down. Okay, so and do then, you think Sarah Jane is actually dead? And ever since she fell off that climbing frame, uh, it has been a crawl android <laughs> in her place. <laughs> um, no. No, I don't. Okay, fair okay. enough. <laughs> yeah. But this, about, this was nice. I think this this end of episode two one it was nice because this was the little sideline of well, there's this android out, and then immediately episode three, I don't know if it quite starts immediately there, but you you're seeing what the real Sarah Jane is up to, like yeah. she's being captured. That's that's the way to deal with this kind of stuff. I this think this is really good storytelling so far. Yeah. So what about part three? Part three is. Oh my god, that's so bad. So what, can you remind me please, what is the part three cliffhanger? So the part three cliffhanger is the Doctor and Sarah Jane have somehow managed to run onto a rocket that's literally seconds away from taking off. Oh yeah, yeah. They're stowing away. The Doctor throws out something like they need to get some protection because the G-force oh, is going to crush yes, them. Oh yes, of course. Which, my rudimentary understanding of like Apollo astronauts and what have you, they don't really have a lot of protection from the G-force, they just have to suck it up. Yeah. But... Anyway, yeah, they're, they're told, Sarah Jane's told by the Doctor, you, you know, you need to get some protection. There are these pods lying around. 
they kick out an android from a pod. Sarah Jane climbs in, but we don't have enough time to close the lid of the pod, so she's protected. So she's lying there. Someone's pulling back her cheeks yeah. by the looks of it as an extreme <laughs> close-up of her face. And it looks like, yeah, someone's grabbed her cheeks and pulled it back, and she's like, oh my god, I'm getting crushed. <laughs> and then literally start the episode for, like, the doctor wakes her up and she's fine. It's like, yeah. oh, I must have blacked out. Oh dear. And it's also completely, I mean, if, the, if episode four then starts with the doctor up and about and just going, oh, I'm okay, actually, I got a little bump on the noggin, but I'm fine. Your assumption would be, oh, this might be an android doctor, the real doctor oh, would have interesting. I never for actually some thought reason. That. Yeah. And we do get to see, at some point, we do get to see an android doctor look out of a pod, right? Yeah. But that's a different android doctor. Like, this is just the real doctor. He was completely fine. Yeah. That cliffhanger meant nothing. Exactly. <laughs> I also quite like that in, as part of that cliffhanger, we get to see, pretty sure... The same NASA rocket the stock same footage. stock footage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there must be other archives you can go to. Nope. to <laughs> just a slightly different <laughs> shot. No. <laughs> They're still paying for all the money that they spent on, like, pyramids stuff in the last <laughs> serial. And obviously on, on uh, the Vega space sat- satellites. Do you think this was possibly a cheap one to make then? Because a lot of it is on location. Yeah. They, they, they come to Oxfordshire. I mean, it, this was largely shot around about here. When it wasn't shot in Shepherd's Bush at the studio, this was shot here. Yeah, we, we looked it up. It was, um, I forgot what it was called, but it was just outside Didcot. Right outside Didcot. So uh, we have, uh, hang on, we've got the whole list here. We have East Hagborn, that's Devesham, yeah. quote unquote. We have Warsham Quarry in Whitney. Whitney, really close to Oxford. It's just like a half hour away. Tubney Woods. Tubney in Oxfordshire. Yeah. Does that ring any bells? It doesn't ring any bells no. for me, but Tubney Woods. Yeah, okay. And then the National Radiological Protection Board, now known as Radiation Protection Division in Didcot. Also, like half an hour by train, if even. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, wait. What were we talking about? I don't know. How did we get on some locations from <laughs> G-Force? <laughs> what the hell just happened? Oh, if this was a cheap cereal to make. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was a cheap cereal. I mean, what's the main thing that they had to pay for? The cast, I guess. Probably. There's quite a, quite a few people in this, actually. That's true. I mean, someone had to fashion those pods, I guess. They look kind of funky. Yeah. But the the crawl, the interior of the crawl spaceship, I'm assuming is just a repurposed version of like most spaceship sets. It's it has just the it has the same lack of ergonomics uh, that you yeah. have come to expect from classic Who alien spacecraft at this point. Like even the the screen which isn't a perfect square or the, you know, not that you necessarily need a square, but why the fuck would you have that weird shape for any kind of screen? I think you were way more observant than I was. <laughs> Uh, what else? The, oh, the doors that have the spikes at the bottom for no reason oh, yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> How many people died during the <laughs> rush hour on a crawl ship and like half the people get impaled? Which is an interesting thing to mention in an episode where the android unit soldiers are, I think, running out of the unit building at one point and the automatic doors almost don't open for them. <laughs> like the lead unit soldier has to do a little bit of a pause as the, as the door is, like automatic doors are prone to do, but I feel like these were probably manually driven and someone got slapped around the head. <laughs> it's like, dude, you nearly had a pilot with all our actors. <laughs> open the frigging doors quicker. <laughs> I like it. I missed that as well. But yeah, so we've got the unit, well, the, the 
space defense station yeah. stuff, which which is just a. Sh- I mean, it's the shot of a real building and then superimposed oh, as a miniature yeah. of a parabolic antenna. I which like is that. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Oh yeah, love it. And then the interiors, I presume, are just like generic office sets might they could have grabbed from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> You're right. They, they did look like sets. I assume. I assume they were sets taken yeah. from somewhere. Not. Yeah. No. Sorry. You are yeah. right. Yeah. So I guess is. Probably it's not just, that expensive. I mean, even when they come to Oxfordshire, they look for a quarry. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> you home in on what you know, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, question for you. What about these three sisters who lived at the bottom of a treacle well? Oh, I'm glad you made the note about what the story was. Is this a story that you're familiar with? What is this? No. I didn't recognize the story. And also, I didn't know who Tilly was. Because he... After saying this little story, he addresses Sarah Jane as Tilly. Oh, really? Yeah. Hang on, I'm looking it up. Oh, it's from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, right. And this is shot in Oxfordshire, so that, I guess that makes perfect sense. She lived with her sisters Lacey and Tilly in the bottom of a treacle well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is Alice in Wonderland. Elsie, Lacey, and Tilly. Okay. Our three sisters. Bit of an odd thing to throw in there. Yeah. Okay. You're into Star Trek. Did you ever feel that Stigron and Chidaki looked a little Ferengi-like? Oh, I didn't pick up on that, but now you say it. Sort of yeah. like Ferengi walnuts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we we didn't hear them say female, did we? I don't think. No, female. That, that would have <laughs> clinched the deal. <laughs> we do get a moment in this that's worth probably mentioning. Okay. Of the Sonic being used as a proper screwdriver. Yes. Oh, that's a beautiful scene. Yeah. Wait, can we talk about that whole subplot? Okay. So, (laughs) there's a panel in the floor. (laughs) Why not? With some kind of electrical gizmos in there. Why not? And the doctor is going to... What is his plan? He is hoping that they'll get water in order to take some of the gizmos out of there and then use it to somehow electrocute robots? I don't know, because we never see in the inside the thing he's just taken the panel off, I think, until Sarah Jane yanks the cable out later. So at that point, I was thinking there's some exposed electrical wiring or something. Like sabotage the ship. No, I, I thought more it was because they did talk about, like, I think, attacking the guards or freeing themselves or something along those kind of lines. And I, I think I took it that they had to somehow get an android guard to come in and step in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been so great. <laughs> so, oh, I'm just it puts, gonna... a, it puts a little napkin or something like, yeah. over the hole. <laughs> like it comes up and talks to you, and you have to take take a step back. It's like, come on, a little bit further. <laughs> no way, I'll just, just side step this way. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not quite sure what the plan was. I liked that when the water turned up, the doc threw in a little. You should drink some. Or, 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 don't waste the water. Yeah, don't drink it. And you know, it's it's super conductive, by the way. Which, it turns out, saved Sarah Jane's life without anyone planning it to. That's true. Because it was So is it Sarah virus. Jane's doing entirely that, as in, is it her idea to use whatever gizmo or wires are underneath the floorboards as an electrical flamethrower, if you will? I'm crediting Sarah Jane with her escaping from that. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, doc- the doctors throw away. I, I'm actually not sure she used the water in the end, because she just grabs a massive electrical thing and jolts the and- oh, maybe, android yeah. with it but if i mean if she does she didn't need to because like if you were making a big puddle that was then going to electrocute them then that's using the water but she doesn't do that uh-huh. she literally takes the cable and goes into the android's chest yes okay so you had me at if you're making a big puddle <laughs> <laughs> 
And this is also, I mean, the water that it gets sent to them, that is poisoned water. Yeah. So even from the Kral point of view, this is, oh, sorry, from her point of view, it, what she's doing is brilliant. What the Krolls are doing here is absolutely stupid. Wouldn't it make sense to have one of the androids do whatever it is the androids are meant to do to people to, you know, spread this disease? In order to spread the disease, to test the virus. Wait, you know, you're, you're thinking like the crowd are too clever. I think this is the plan. It's like androids walking around <laughs> with trains of glasses <laughs> water glasses. I heard you were thirsty. <laughs> no, drink the water. <laughs> it's really nice. Pop. Wait, let me get some peanuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the space-suited robots showing up and pull my finger. <laughs> That's it. I genuinely thought at some point, okay, the Doctor will, he'll make a joke, a James Bondian one-liner about the, the finger blasting, to something to the effect of, it's not polite to point, or... He does say something. I don't, it's not like a James Bond-esque thing. I can't remember what it was, though. Oh. Podcast lands! <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. Because this, yeah, because this is the end of the scene, which is a massive pet peeve of mine. Oh, really? So actually, we've got Tom Baker being quite action-y throughout this serial. He's getting shot at a lot. Yeah, that's true. He jumps through a window. Oh, yes, that's true. But it's, it's the shot at a lot that I want to pause on. Because there's a scene, so it's, it's towards the end of episode one. He's literally being chased down by Unit and Android people. And they're all shooting at him. Like, they want to kill him. And then yeah. he, I think he jumps off a little rooftop, lands down, and he kind of just stops running because he sees that there are He's androids, or, androids yeah. close by. And then they just stop. They stop shooting. And it's like, yeah, you want to kill this guy. Why? Yeah, exactly. You have well, no they... change of order or anything. Now you're just going to walk up to him and capture him. And it's just Were like, they planning oh. to like shoot him in the leg or something just I to stop know. him? If so, yeah. why don't they still shoot him in the leg? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a massive pet peeve of mine where it's just like, <laughs> you're ignoring the fact that there's at one point, I think someone is shooting him down the tiniest corridor oh, and yeah. they miss him. Like, there's the point where even Crayford shoots at him. I think it maybe it is Crayford, actually, yeah. Oh, maybe that is the scene, yeah. yeah. So it, it either Tom Baker just wasn't fast enough when he was hurrying down that, that corridor or Crayford was too quick, like faster yeah. than the director wanted him to be. But it's, it certainly seems like he shoots the doctor in the back at yeah. one point it does it kind of feels like yeah tom baker feels the end of the corridor there's yeah. nowhere else for the bullet <laughs> to go <laughs> it hit him somewhere <laughs> exactly unless crayford is such a bad shot like there's just a hole in the ceiling three feet away from crayford himself <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah exactly yeah sorry he's just the ceiling and now it is time to rate this did we laugh or hate this bing bong bing bong hey la 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 ratings so then how do we rate this little cereal? How indeed. How indeed. So I feel like I've I've ripped certain elements of it apart. And I I feel slightly bad for that because I I did enjoy this. There's no question that I enjoyed this. Mm. I think I mostly enjoyed the Android invasion y bits. Not so much the <laughs> trying to poison the entire human race bits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is why my rating is probably not going to get up there with someone who has a mass amount of nostalgia around this. I think if I'd watched this as a kid and I remembered seeing the androids and all that kind of stuff, I could conceivably find myself being swept away with it and just thinking, shit, yeah, this is the one where we see the Sarah Jane android, you know, which I imagine is what you're going to come on to in, in your little mini. <laughs> but from, from my point of view, I think the positives we've got are the dock being back to the dock, 
Sarah Jane getting things to do and them having good chemistry around it. The like I say, the Android invasion stuff is is really good. I think the villager setup it ends up not making any sense whatsoever why they do this. But the whole clock chimes and they start moving around. You know, that's that's a really nice thing. It's a bit of a bit of a trope. It gets done quite a lot in sci-fi, but it's done well here. And it was probably one of the first few times it's you know it's actually done in in TV and film land. So you know, good stuff. And I think given that it looks like a quite a low budget serial, we would have to imagine like the production level is pretty high. Like I think they've got a fairly extended cast going on. Everyone's doing really well. They've done little miniature things. They're playing around with sets that, you know, we've not seen before. They're probably reusing them. But, you know, there's there's nothing to complain about, definitely. And there, there's not massive amounts of praise, but it's just really good. Yeah, I agree. You know, so and uh, I think the pacing of things must be right because I, I was along for the ride for everything. It was, it was only a little bit of a dip, maybe in episode three or something that kind of was feeling like, well, the plot is taking too much of a focus here and the plot doesn't make sense. <laughs> But for the most part, you know, I was just happily enjoying this. But then we can't ignore the fact that the plot doesn't make sense. (laughs) We can't ignore the fact that I have absolutely no reason to pinpoint why the Krolls want to invade Earth. Oh, wait, hang on. They say so, I think. Oh, do they? I think their their Uh, planet was destroyed or irradiated or something like that. So they need a new home. uh, You know what? Yeah, I think you're right. I think so. Even so, it's such a hand-wavy thing. Okay. So I'm trying to defend this episode. (laughs) Yeah, there's... Like, the way they talk to Crayford about, like, try and convince him that they're only going to take over the Northern Hemisphere or whatever. Like, it's implying that there's millions of them. We see three. Like, it's it's the usual kind of problems with invading a planet in such a convoluted way with such a small amount of resources and, and, and people. And it's just... Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm not along for that ride. I'm, a, I'm on for the Android story ride, not so much the Kral Invasion ride. And even though I did enjoy Sarah Jane in this episode, I have to think negatively of the fact that there's a scene where she's, she and the Doctor are both running through a forest. She's the one that falls over and hurts her ankle. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? She's the one that the Doctor physically puts into a tree after hurting her ankle. She's the one that stupidly jumps down from the tree and is immediately captured like it's it's a shame that there, there could there could have been better use for her as a companion like she rescues him on two occasions yeah you know th- those are good things she's off doing her own stuff with her own agency that works so well in most places but then there's just you know a couple of nigglings where it's just like you can't help but feeling like this is because she's a woman they've, they've written it like, like this because she's a woman which is a shame it's a real shame to to come across that but we get down to the crux of it i enjoyed this more than i had the previous one which everyone else seems to love but <laughs> i haven't enjoyed it as much as some other ones so it's definitely a good episode I'm giving it a 3.5. Oh, so close. I, I had you paid for a 3.6. Ooh. Okay, I'm <laughs> changing that to a 3.5. Okay, um, excellent review. I reserve the right to ignore the fact that much of this makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> I already gave you the forewarning last time yep. when we did Pyramids. There were two more serials at the time, I said, this being one of them where I will un- undoubtedly give the serial slightly higher a rating than it deserves, perhaps. And this, yeah, this is one of them, definitely influenced by bias, by nostalgia. But it doesn't matter. So first off, this is Terry Nation territory. We get lots of space stuff, and that's that's the the kitsch element of Terry Nation. We've got the st- space defense station. We've got the space whatever it is, the space freighter. 
and then we have the slightly negative aspect of Terranationism is just blatantly ripping off the Autons. But we do also get something really positive here. Terranation will maybe reuse existing elements previously of his own stories here of existing other stories, but he will also improve them in the process. And I think to a certain degree, the androids, they have more potential perhaps than some of the Autons have had in the past, slash in in New Who. Not saying that one is better than the other, but the, the way that they've been implemented is is certainly more interesting. I love. I agree with you. I love that pub scene, and I love the fact that we have like a little village of the a village of the damned in a way, <laughs> like a village of androids. That are they aware that they're androids? Are they not aware? Is this literally just a little Oxonian village somewhere in outer space, uh, and will it continue to thrive? Is that guy going to pull pints forever you know, <laughs> until he rusts? That's great. I don't know, but I love it. We have the space-suited aliens, which I didn't say before, but I think they're also possibly a bit of a rip-off of, um, I mean, or possibly it's just a budgetary issue. This was definitely mentioned to us by someone in podcast land as well. I apologize to whomever it was. I don't recall who it was, but we've encountered space-suited foes in the past as well, both in Classic Who and in New Who. In New Who, we've we together reviewed it right in... Um, are you thinking of the Impossible Astronaut, or? Uh, well, yeah, Impossible Astronaut is one. Forest of the Dead, uh, oh yeah, Library yeah. of whatever, Library of Knowledge. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called now. Death in the Library. What the shit is it called? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, but we've also had it in Classic Who with um, ambassadors from space or ambassadors of no ambassadors of death. Oh, I've been told off for misremembering that title before. It might be a budgetary constraint. Just put someone in a spacesuit and that's a good alien. But it's relying on something that's already been established in, in the universe. Fuck it, I'm rambling here. Stupid stuff. Tearing down my rating. The monocular astronaut subplot. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing ever. Having just two dudes leading an entire invasion and we never even get an inkling. I mean, they may say that there's a fleet waiting somewhere, but I mean, show us any indication. Have them have a Skype call with someone in that fleet. How are you doing? Give us a progress report. Anything to indicate that there are more than just two chaps. But then there's also clever stuff. I love that the doc has a, a reason of his own, even though it's wrong, for why there is newly minted currency. So oh, maybe there was a, a radiation leakage and the, they had to mint new currency to prevent the radiation from spreading. That's, that's fantastic. We have the, the Independence Day-ish reference to uh, there's something, we see it on the radar, these items, they're not meteorites. Because they're slowing down. I love that. That's clever. And the room gasps. What? They're slowing down? That's fantastic. And then obviously partly the who's real, who's a facsimile thing. I agree with what you said about Sarah Jane. Maybe not quite as cleverly written as she was before. But also by the same token, why would the doctor leave her? He leaves her in the forest. He leaves her in the pub. He leaves her in a tree. Like there's... Why? That doesn't seem like something the doctor would do. But they are great. And when he doesn't, they, they work really well together. And we do get that scene that you mentioned. Uh, shit, oh, I'm gonna ramble on. Final Benton and Harry appearance. I'm so sad. And we don't get bagels for another seven seasons, which is terrible. But I do still love this serial, and I think it is eminently rewatchable. I would sit down and rewatch it now, particularly given that there were certain points that you brought up that I missed. Lines that I didn't notice, or the, you know, the ginger pop that I didn't notice in the beginning. I will happily rewatch this right now. Yeah. And, and, and see that. And I wouldn't do that with others. For example, I wouldn't do that with Pyramids of Mars, which I gave 4.0. Oh. So I will give this a 4.1. Ah. Because I think it is just that much more Whovian than Pyramids of Mars, which also nostalgia and, I mean, and it's a great serial. 
nice. 4.1. Good stuff. Sorry for the rambling. That was dreadful. <laughs> that was all over the place. Right, shall we uh, listen to what Podcastland has to say? Let's do that. Listener Minis, now let's hear from Podcastland. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Okily dokily. Oh, we have a bunch of Listener Minis. Thank you everyone who sent this in. And uh, uh, truth be told, we did just press pause on the recording. We did scan the ratings, and they are all over the place. So this is going to be a really good one. Okay, so first out of the gate, we have Paul Forber. Hello there, Paul. Hello, Paul. Paul, you've been naughty again. We are just going to read the start and end of your mini because it is a massive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's full of interesting little snippets of the story and synopsis and all that kind of good stuff. So go to back when and you can read it on its splendor. That is entirely right. Paul starts. Terry Nation went to the action-adventure well when asked to write a Doctor Who story without Daleks and delivered a tale reminiscent of The Avengers, one of the many shows for which he wrote. Patrick Newell, who played Steed and Mrs. Peel's boss, Mother, appeared in the last episode as Unit Commanding Officer Colonel Faraday to reinforce this impression. Mm, which is great trivia. Mm. Mm. Now we're going to skip to the end. Sorry, Paul. The android invasion departed from the season's prevailing gothic horror themes, presenting an absurd but entertaining action-packed mystery adventure that remained Doctor Who. Its light-hearted touch recalled the earthbound Doctor's adventures with Unit, where his ingenuity would defeat a mad scientist or alien invasion. Here, the Doctor and Sarah Jane unraveled a mystery to find an alien mad scientist planning an invasion. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Again, please read the full review on whobackwhen.com and high five Paul online. He can be found on Twitter at WordsmithPaul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Next up, we've got Trenton Bliss. Hello, Trenton. Hey there, Trenton. Trenton starts. The Android Invasion is merely a limp salad of old ingredients familiar from previous exterminatory escapades. A dying world, a doomsday plan, a specially engineered plague, and so on. We've seen all of these in many of Terry Nation's past Dalek stories done ten times better. Here they are just incredibly basic. In the early 70s, Unit was an integral part of the show's success, but here, led by pompous ass Colonel Faraday, standing in for the absent brigadier, the troops function only as runners and shooters. Even with the last appearances of Benton and Harry Sullivan, they're just there to be doppelgangers, and then when the real versions show up, they're not important whatsoever. Trenton continues, The crowds themselves look good, but that's all they had going for them. They look alien, but they were written like bad versions of the Daleks. Heck, I could see this kind of thing being a Dalek plot. But no, we got the most basic of aliens enacting the age-old invasion angle. When done good, the invasion angle is great, but this is just too basic. Overall, says Trenton, I think this is a watered-down Dalek story. It's Terry Nation at his worst. Even though I thought it was okay, it's only going to get a 2.4 from me. Stick to the Dalek stories, Terry. Honestly, sums up Trenton, this might have been better if it was a Dalek story. Maybe might have shot my rating up by a few decimal points. Oh, very interesting. Okay, we're already darting back and forth here. I love that. As in, Paul Forber loves the crap out of this. Trenton, not so much. Not so much indeed. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much, Trenton people of Podcast Land who are not Trenton. Fred not. you can uh, read Trenton's digital mind on Twitter. He can be found at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two what's, Jim? Absent, bagely moustaches <laughs> put next to each other in a little convoluted fashion. 
Thanks, Trenton. Thank you, Trenton. Next up, we've got Peter Zunich. Hey, it's the Zunmeister. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Peter. While super interesting, says Peter, this story goes out of its way to miss the mark more than once. Yet although they are big marks, it doesn't necessarily ruin an enjoyable product. First, let's talk plot holes. I'll be really to believe that this guy's <laughs> been with the aliens that, lo- that long and he never bothered to look under his eye patch. Second, that deadly virus that can wipe out Every living thing is mishandled ad nauseum. Yeah. <laughs> Contamination would have splooged long before they left their own planet. Third, uh, are they really going to plague everything on the planet they want to move their race to and hope that it just happens to have burned out by the time the moving van arrives? <laughs> it can kill humans and crawls, but not trees or antelope. <laughs> I also feel the writing missed a big one. Not that what's there is bad, But the really awesome bits are when the androids actually start to integrate into the humans. But that only happens in episode four. The practice run was cool, but the invasion is so much better. Mm. Despite all this, says Peter, I actually enjoy the story immensely. There's an original premise. There's people in white jumpers waving loaded fingers at each other. There's the reusing of the weird-looking escape pods from Blake 7. (gasps) Is that where they're from? Ooh. There's even Doctor on Doctor action! Yes, there is. (laughs) It's not a thrill a minute, but it's a lot of fun. For these reasons, I give it a cooler robot interior than the original Westworld 3.3. Nice. Oh, yes. Very nice. Great stuff, Peter. Thank you. Okay, I am super duper tempted to have a look at Blake 7 again. I've never watched it. Sister podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I am not on board. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I don't have the time anyway. Thank you so much, Peter. Awesome mini. Next up, we've got Paul Waring. Hello, Paul. Hey there, Paul. Paul starts. What is going on? This story is credited to Terry Nation, but there are no Daleks. I suppose there is a planet devastated by radiation, though. Ah. Baker and Sladen are still on top form, and this story shows again how well they work together. Although Sarah does the stereotypical companion twist angle whilst running. Yes, yes, she does. Yes, that's Jim's point. <laughs> she also rescues the doctor three times and breaks out of a prison cell unaided, demonstrating once again how she is the most proactive companion to date. I also like the initial impression that the story is on Earth, when in fact everything is an illusion. There are a few hints, but it's neither disappointing nor obvious when the secret is revealed. I didn't see it coming on my first viewing. Neither did we. No. Paul continues, there are a few niggles, of course. A race of aliens who are helpless without their androids, fight scenes using a double with a completely different height and build to Tom <laughs> Baker, and a cheap imitation of bagels. Ugh. That the Doctor could survive re-entry without air is just about plausible, but not for Sarah. Android Benton also addresses Android Doctor as Sir, as if the Doctor is in his chain of command, mm. which seems a bit odd. But a classic who wouldn't be fun without holes to pick. Agreed. Overall, says Paul, another cracking story with by far and away the best combination of Doctor and Single Companion. And he gives this 4.5 out of 5. Whoa, we slingshotted the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Nice. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, Paul. can be found online at P. Waring. Thanks, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Paul. Next up, we've got Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. Hello, Michael. Hey there, Michael. Michael, as usual, has some things he likes. Mm. 
creepy white androids, and fake plastic world had shades of 1970s movie Westworld. Ooh, second reference to Westworlds. Nice mm. one. And also agreed on both accounts. Uh, next thing Michael liked, the Doctor and Sarah encounter their doppelgangers in that episode two cliffhanger and the deeply unsettling body snatchers moment in episode four. Mm. Michael also has some things that brought unintentional hilarity. <laughs> I've just seen how he references it. Namely, that twist, a.k.a. Eyeball Gate. <laughs> how would you not notice? <laughs> There are, of course, some boobs. Number one being the grumpy crowds were a bit naff. Whilst Crayford, eyeballgate hilarity aside, <laughs> is a whiny little bitch. <laughs> Next, boof. The bagel-shaped hole and wannabe brigadier. That's not my brigadier. No, not our brigadier either. <laughs> Next up, we have the final story with Sergeant Benton and Harry Sullivan. Oh, this story would have been edgier had the Doctor and or Sarah had to urinate to create the conductor to electrocute the Family show, Michael. Oh, Family show. No, no, no. That is this week's retro rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> Just... <laughs> This is so good. I mean, they they drag uh, they drag Doc out of the cell, and then we pan to the side, and Sarah's just squatting in a corner by the door. As he's leaving, he's just like, "You're in, Sarah. Don't hold it in. And remember, it's conductive." Oh my god! All right. And the final beef is what happened to the three sisters that lived at the bottom of a tree cool well. We'll never know. Aww. Well, apparently we have to read. Well, well done. yeah, slash, we had to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> In summary, says Michael, 15% creep fest overwhelmed or undermined by 75% daft fun. And he gives this 2.8 out of 5. Components of reconstructed Crayford minus eyeball. <laughs> or not, as the case may inexplicably be. How would you not notice? <laughs> Good question. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. People who are not Michael, please high-five Michael online. He can be found at bad... Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. Uh, no, no, there's no more underscores. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Next up, in fact, last up, we have Keel Harris. Hello, Keel. Hey, Keel. Keel starts, hi guys, for the last three weeks, every time Leon said, I can't wait for the Android invasion, I yelled at my computer that Leon is drinking way too much. I'm not sure if those two things are related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, but you were wrong. (laughs) I did not have fond memories of this one, says Keel. All I could remember, apparently, says Keel, about this era was the town and the truck carrying the town population. It was one of the few series I had no real memory of. First, the bad things. Unit story and no bagels? I'm sure you covered this. We did. We did, yeah. Great minds think alike. Uh, So, Crayford, who was brainwashed, but never removed his eye patch. Oh, it's... Yeah. Because he never (laughs) washed any other part. Just his brain. Just his brain. (laughs) (laughs) Next bad thing. So, the missing rocket comes back and the base has, like, no one on it. No media, no medics, no extra soldiers. That's a super good point. Yeah. (laughs) Also... This was the same season as Zygons. Did they need two cloning series? Mm, good point. And there were more Harry than serials that he was in. <laughs> <laughs> I like that <laughs> observation. Now, the good things, says Keel. Crawls were fine. 
<laughs> You've got a low bar for good. <laughs> yes. Barry Letts and Terry Nation team up for this serial. And I've said. And damn it, Leon was right. It just works. Damn right I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have read that. <laughs> yeah, That's a very egotistical thing for you to read, but hey. <laughs> and final good point is it's what Doctor Who was meant to be just fun. Oh, and he gives us an incredibly good score. Do tell. Of 4.1. That is an excellent score. Super duper on the money. Yeah. Spooky. So, guys, may the booze be flowing and the who be glowing, says Keel. And he has also added, he guessed what we were going to give it. He thought I would give it a 4.3. Not okay. far off. Not far no, off. not far off. And he thought that you were going to give it a 3.9. Also not too far off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 you were in the right ballpark. People of Podcast Land who are not Keel, you can say hello to Keel online. He can be found at Mass FI Panthers. That's FI, not FL. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Thank you very much, Keel. And thank you, everyone, who sent in a mini for this one. This was super exciting stuff. Awesome stuff. Thank you. What have we got coming up next? (gasps) Oh, my goodness. It's another legendary one. Oh, I remember this from when I was a kid as well, but I don't... I can't remember if I liked it or not. Namely, the brain of Morbius. I'm sorry, I've just seen the the most amazing shot that goes with it on Wikipedia. (laughs) Seems to be Sarah Jane mid-orgasm. Wait, oh, I have to see this picture. (laughs) Okay, great. Can you send me a link to that page, please? (laughs) (laughs) Why have they picked that with her eyes half closed? (laughs) That's a terrible screenshot. But that is a legendary serial. In fact, we've encountered Morbius before, I believe, in um, a couple of Audio Who reviews, or in an Audio Who review that I did with JD. But before we have The Brain of Morbius, we have a new Who review, namely... The Rings of the the Carton. Carton. Oh. (laughs) But you and Drew go on about all the time, and I can't remember the slightest. (laughs) I only remember disliking it intensely. (laughs) Uh, So tune in for that one, because we have decided to get absolutely smashed for that review. (laughs) And just say, The Rings of a Carton. The Rings of a Carton. 50 million times. Oh, where did you, Summers? The the Carton. (laughs) (laughs) Doing your garp (laughs) here. Your garp Feel free to join us for that one, by the way. <laughs> In the meantime, you can say hello to us on Twitter. Jim, you can be found. At Jimmy the Who. Jimmy no, the what? Jimmy the Who. That's right. And you can say hello to me as well. I am at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Leon. <laughs> Until the next time, thank you again. Rock on and cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?